1: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The
2: Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM,
3: WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and Welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. And yes, it's a new year to be sure, but unfortunately, we're we're still seeing some of the same old bad behavior continuing in the world of amateur sports. And you know, it just amazes me, and yes, it frustrates and disappoints me. That we can't seem to get everyone on the same page when it comes to behaving like adults at our kids' games. And how about sportsmanship? Why do so many coaches continue to have a problem understanding that it's not good sportsmanship to run up the score? I mean, there was a, yet another outrageous example of running up the score against a hapless opponent in high school basketball last week. I'll tell you shortly what happened with the score and what kind of less-than-tough punishment the winning coach had to face afterwards. Then there was a, a nutty congressman from the state of Tennessee, and I'm not making this up, who apparently ran out into the gym floor doing his son's basketball game and... This congressman tried to pants a ref. That's right. He tried to pull the pants down on an official. I assume he thought it would be a a good way to somehow embarrass the referee. And then there was a case a few weeks ago of an unhinged dad at a basketball game who also ran out on the floor during a game, and he smashed into a referee from behind, knocking the ref to the floor and injuring him. Now look, You know how I feel about these kinds of idiotic incidents. Not only are they all preventable, but since parents and coaches can't seem to behave themselves, we really, really need to set up some strict punishments that will hopefully send a strong message, not only to these parents, but to all parents and coaches, so that they really need to think twice before acting out on their selfish and stupid instincts. Okay, let me... Let me get into the details, and again, folks, as always, we'll take your calls and comments, because this is just, it just like repeats itself over and over and over again. The number, of course, you know, it's 877-337-6666. Okay, on the lopsided high school basketball score, the Sacred Heart Academy Varsity Girls basketball team in Connecticut defeated Lyman Hall High School in Hamden, Connecticut by a score of 92 to 4. Now, Sacred Heart Academy, they're 3 and 0, they're ranked 3rd in Connecticut uh, apparently in these rankings, the state rankings which is another issue we can talk about as well, but they led in this game against Lyman Hall 29 to nothing after the first quarter. They led 56 to nothing at halftime and 80 to nothing after three quarters. Now, you should know that b- before they took on Lyman Hall, uh, Sacred Heart had also routed Stanford 83 to 48 and Shelton 80 to 37. So, yeah, they're, they're a good team. But the point is <laughs> they, were, they were just out of control in terms of, uh, of uh, the final score. Now, after the game, the Sacred Heart Academy, they issued a, a strong apology and that they suspended its head coach this past week for one game. I mean, come on. The Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, the CIAC, and their handbook under its class act sportsmanship standards, states, quote, coaches will be aware of the competitive balance of contests and will manage the score in a manner that is sportsmanlike and respectful of opponents. Now, according to the Lyman hall head coach, Tom Lipka, quote, Sacred Heart pressed for most of the first half, then called it off and went into a tight man to man half court defense trying to get steals. They fast break the entire game right to the end. They never went into a zone, continued to push the ball up the court and shot threes whenever they could. They showed no mercy throughout the game. All right. So, again. What was the fallout in all this? Well, again, the, the head of the Sacred Heart team, again, they apologized uh, to Lyman Hall for their coach's actions. And that coach of Sacred Heart, a fellow named Jason Kirk, well, he was suspended for one game by Sacred Heart for his lack of sportsmanship. And that's, that's pretty much all. That's all happened. I mean, I, I got to tell you, if it were me, and again, this is my personal opinion. I would not only suspend the coach, not for one game, but for several games. And in addition, because theoretically coaches are educators, I would also have him him write a full and thoughtful essay on the importance and value of good sportsmanship, and then post that essay on the school's website, and then also send a personal copy to the Lyman Hall basketball team. Maybe that kind of punishment would help drive home the point. And look, how do coaches in the first place let this kind of thing happen? I mean, each year, especially in high school basketball, we see these lopsided scores occur on a regular basis. And my my question is, Coach, are you not watching the game? Can't you see whether the other team is getting walloped? The score is 56 to nothing at halftime. So, yeah, it's time to call off the full-court press. Time to tell your kids to stop shooting threes. Tell them to slow down. Pass the ball. Avoid any more fast breaks. And, obviously, you want to get your reserves, get them in the game, and play them a lot. I mean, look, we we all know this. There are lots of ways uh, you can do something to keep the score from getting out of control. And, look, I'm not saying you have to, you you know, only win by a certain number i mean yeah we know if a team wins by 20 25 30 points okay you lost and you lost big but it's not humiliating to the other team <laughs> but when the team loses with a score of, of you know of, of 92 to 4 I mean, what, what purpose does that serve except obviously to get people angry to it embarrasses the opposing team uh, your team doesn't get much out of it i mean what, why what are we doing I mean coach, you're watching the game. And if you want if you're the coach at halftime and the game is obviously out of it's it's done, it's it's you're you're winning fifty six to nothing, that's when you as the winning coach go over to the other coach at halftime and very discreetly say, okay, what would you like to do here? Would you like just to run the clock? Would you like to just to uh, talk about this some more? I mean, have a conversation as two professional coaches, as two professional educators, about what's the best way to to basically end this game so nobody goes home feeling uh, their feelings hurt or embarrassed. What do you think? 877-337-6666. Let's talk about this. And by the way, Lyman Hall is scheduled to host Sacred Heart Academy January 28th, later this month at 7 o'clock. Well, that should be an interesting affair. Let's see if anybody has learned their lesson over the next couple of weeks. All right, now let's move on to the Sports Edge police blotter. A Tennessee legislator ran onto the court during a basketball game, and he tried to pull the pants down on a ref. Okay, this is just absolutely nuts. But according to various media reports, A top Tennessee House Republican lawmaker had to apologize for losing his temper and being ejected from watching a high school basketball game after this confrontation with the ref. This altercation, uh, as I said, appeared to be, according to the video footage, uh, a failed attempt at this guy trying to pull down the official's pants. Tennessee Representative Jeremy Faison, 45 years old, Posted on Twitter that he, quote, acted the fool tonight and lost my temper on a ref. I was wanting to fight. I was wanting him to fight me. Totally lost my junk. Got booted from the game. I never really lost my temper, but I did tonight and was completely stupid of me. Well, you're right. No question about that. Uh, But he says he's asking, I hope to be able to find the ref and ask for his forgiveness. I was bad wrong. Well, yeah, but what were you thinking in the first place? Now, the details are that uh, these two schools, two religious schools uh, in Tennessee, uh, Faison's son is on one of the teams. And according to the the video feed, uh, Faison was sitting in the stands. uh, There was a a loose ball in the third quarter. There was a referee's whistle and a brief scuffle took place between the two teams. And according to reports um, in the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association, Faison ran on the court was told by a ref to leave. He then pointed a finger at the ref's face and said, quote, you can't tell me to leave the floor. This was all your fault. Faison then grabs the ref's pants and tugs on him, trying to pull him down. (laughs) So this is a case where a sports dad loses his mind and runs out of the court during a game and tries to publicly embarrass a referee because he must have felt the ref made a bad call against his son's team. Okay, again, can't make this stuff up, but this really happened. Uh, My takeaway, uh, obviously, I don't live in Tennessee. I don't vote there. But let me know when this guy is up for re-election, because if I were running against him, I would just ask the voters if they can really trust this fellow to keep himself and his emotions in check when things don't go his way. I mean, goodness gracious, talk about a lack of civility and a lack of adult behavior. And again, he's apologized but you know what? Punishment? No. He should be banned for the rest of the year from attending any more of his kids' games, any more high school games. I mean, that's just, a, that's just period. I mean, why do we have to say, well, we'll just give him a, a, a warning or a slap on the wrist or he's apologized? No, we're beyond that now. I mean, you, you should know better. You're an adult, and this guy is he's a congressman for goodness sakes. All right. I, I just I want to get into this. I have another incident. I'm going to talk about to you as well. But let me take a break, uh, and and we'll talk about what needs to be done. Because I'm curious to get your thoughts and suggestions as well. But I'm um, in goodness gracious. This is just inexcusable, and a time has come to do something about it. 877-337-6666. When I come back, we'll talk and get this thing. Uh, hopefully, this whole thing straightened out. Stay with me welcome back to the sports edge we're talking about a lack of sportsmanship and what we really need to do to finally correct this problem here's one more incident from the uh, sports edge police blotter in seattle a 31 year old father was charged with assault and accused of shoving a referee to the ground during his son's eighth grade basketball game The 72-year-old referee broke his nose and cheek uh, during the fall at a game at uh, Kenmore Middle School in King County in the state of Washington. During the game, the man's son had fouled another player, so one ref got in between the players and tried to grab uh, this man's son, causing the youngster to fall. At that point, the dad ran onto the court and rammed a 72-year-old referee to the ground from behind the ref wasn't even involved in separating the two kids. The ref fell on his face, uh, and and as I said, broke his nose and, and his cheekbone. Meanwhile, the outraged father, screaming, grabbed his son off the court and ran out of the gym. And he was arrested, released on, from jail, and a couple. Uh, re- he was arrested, released from jail after posting bail, which was set at twenty thousand. So he's facing criminal charges. But again, here's a guy that should just basically be banned from attending any more games for the rest of the year. Now again, we know how emotional we all get at our kids' games. We get that. We understand that. But again, you have to remind yourself when you arrive at your youngsters' game, you have to act like an adult. There's no reason to to let yourself get out of control. And if you don't control yourself... You're going to have to face serious consequences, not just, you know, a, a slap on the wrist or a warning or oh, you shouldn't do that. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like I said with the, the, the basketball coach at Sacred Heart. He's suspended for one game. That's it. Come on now. That's silly. I mean, come on. Let's just let's, let's understand that this has to have some real some real toughness to it. So people get the point. They understand we're not kidding around. This has to stop. All right, let's take our calls at 877-337-6666. Let's start this morning with Ed Ward over to Elizabeth. Uh, good morning, Ed. You're first up on the fan.
2: Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Good, Ed. How are you? Well, let's. I got, I'll talk about both, but with the officiating situation,
3: Yes,
0: it's
2: getting better, Rick, because officials don't want to um, be, be referees anymore. Oh, of course. To point, like For example, my, my brother runs the— um, uh, umpire and cadet class for baseball they only got one person come out for for, for the cadet class uh I've heard stories last year in high school baseball in new jersey where they're only ha- now you could only get one umpire to do a velocity game yep and it cost one one guy who was the assigner of the league to be removed so they could get another assigner so it's getting that bad
3: but and it's let me just uh, emphasize that uh, you know for years now we've talked about the fact that there's a steady decline each year about getting officials, refs, umpires to work uh, games. And it's not, it's not stopping. It's fact, it's just gaining momentum. It's, you know, for, for the, a little bit of money that these good people go out to officiate the games, they're beginning to say, why, why do this? Why do I want to have run the risk of being attacked by some crazy parent? And if you talk to the officials and refs, they tell you the reason why they stop doing this is because they're afraid of being physically assaulted or verbally assaulted by, by crazy parents.
2: Well, you know, like like the story you just said about the seventy two year old referee. Yeah, the guy's probably doing it because he's retired, yep. wants to keep himself busy. It's probably not. It's probably not the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at that at the at the youth level, you're going to get either predominantly you're going to get guys that are retired high school officials but still love the game and want to rest, or you're going to get guys that are learning their trade. So parents got to understand that. I also think AD's now got to be a little stronger. Once they see people start complaining about the referees, they got to go right over to the person, bring a security person over, and say, look, you open your mouth one more time, we're throwing you out. Yeah. You got to get tougher with these people because I've seen it while I'm coaching. I've seen it as a former coach. But getting to the story about running up the score, this happened to me when I had my first varsity Head basketball job. We were in a uh, county uh, a conference up in Passaic County. It was a small school conference. However, there was a team in the league that was phenomenal. They had seven D one players on his team at the time, and they were good on that. Yeah. So we're playing them that night at our place. Our place is packed, and he's running up the score right away. He's pressing, you know, you know, doing everything he can, and it's 71-18 at halftime. So yeah. I don't sit. I go. I just tell our players. Basically, my talk is: play hard, do the best you can, and let and let's get out of here. He tells me at the beginning of the second half, we're just going to play zone. Okay, we're taking the ball out. They're in a the zone. All of a sudden, we throw the ball, and he, he starts double teaming us. And now he, he did it for first three possessions. So what I did was I threw a white towel from my bench to his bench on the floor and said, "Yo, you know, let, let, let's let's cut the crap, okay." Now it's getting near the end of the game. He doesn't take his starters out till two minutes to go in the game. I got my weaker kids in and they're and they're not pressing this time but but they're um they're stealing the ball. While they're fast breaking, the guy that's going in for the layup is throwing it off the backboard. Now they got guys coming down throwing thunder ducks down. Yeah. So now it's getting out of control and all that. So I'm hot. I got players on my team that don't want to shake it. They said, Look, be professional. Because, you know, in today's society they see if, if the administration see my players don't do that I might be out of a job. Okay, so after the game, you want to talk to us? I said, I said, "Coach, there's no reason to talk. Yeah. You, 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 you disrespect the my program. Yeah, you, I... we, you will never, we'll never beat you on stuff." So now the next day, I, I get a call from uh, the a newspaper in that area, and I know the sports writer very well. He said, "Eddie, do you want to talk about this?" I said, "I'd be glad to." And first question: said, "Did he run it up?" I said, "Most certainly didn't." I, I went through the details and all that stuff. And I wasn't going to lie because I got the video of the game to verify it and all that stuff. And this so
3: is then why they
2: had, an AD, they had an ADs meeting, and uh, my AD went to bat for me and all that stuff. Well, we had to play them again.
0: Yeah.
2: The second, the second game we played them, not one of the D one kids played. Yeah. They beat us still by fifty. That's how good they were. But there was no pressing involved. You understand what I'm saying? But again, what what do these people get over trying to run up scores? You know what I mean? Well, this, this is, is high this school is, basketball.
3: This is what I'm saying. I, I don't – as you just – that typical story, which obviously stayed with you for a number of years, there's no upside to this kind of situation. And you ask yourself, what in the world is – as you just said, what what is the what is the reason this kind of thing happens? I mean, it's just – why can't coaches sort of – rise above us and say, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a lopsided game and let's talk about how we're going to do this and make sure nobody goes away with hurt feelings uh, because it it really shouldn't happen. I mean, again, I, I, I know coaches obviously are competitive. We get all that, but it should not get to the point where, you know, people are just getting, uh, just going nuts about this kind of thing. It, and I don't know why this happens. Maybe, and Ed, thank you as always uh, for the call, I I wonder, maybe it's because uh, there's such an emphasis these days on on uh team's rankings uh in the states so that kind of thing and maybe coaches feel that if I win by 50 60 points that's going to somehow enhance my my kid's rankings in the states I mean come on I mean rankings are just arbitrary anyhow that's why we play the games that's why we do have playoffs at the end of the year so forget the rankings they're not they're not important but it's important as the kids don't come away angry or bitter or humiliated I mean that that's and again coaches that that's on you to to make sure you can go out and win by a comfortable margin 20 25 30 points but come on now that's the, you're watching the game too understand that there these are kids who have real emotions and uh yeah it's not going to end well if you're not really being a good sport let's continue let's go to um let's go to Michael in Manhattan Michael good morning you're on the fan
4: Hello Rick yes Michael Yeah um let me pull over a minute right here. Uh, Rick, I want I have a couple of thank yous before I start. Um, I want to thank you for having this educational show. Um, I loved your dad, Bob Wolf during the Nick Games. Ah, so Like a lot of callers. I, yes. I absolutely adored him. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so but Rick, I have a little bit of a disagreement on running up the score. Okay. okay? I think I was involved with this. I coached ninth graders once in Springfield, Massachusetts, and we had, I guess we were better than most of the teams. And we, the score was gigantic in our favor. Uh, one game, it's like 82 to 15 or something. I don't I remember, um, what happened to me was I got banned from talking to the press afterwards as a coach, mm-hmm. um, and I can't remember any other consequences but i just wasn't able to talk to the coach and the administration of the school was mad at me now here's my perspective on it I think you can't stop you know kids players from playing on my on the winning team from enjoying themselves you can stop pressing for sure yes you can play a zone yeah uh but they I put in my reserves in that game, and they were just playing as hard as they could. Yes. Uh, as reserves. You know, so you made a good point about halftime. Let's say the score was 56 to nothing, as you said. Yep. Go, just cancel the game at that point, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't look, know.
3: I, I do think uh, when these kind of situations occur, and, and Michael, we know they do. Uh, but that's where the two coaches talk at halftime in a friendly way and say, look, let's keep this, uh, in a fairly, uh, quasi competitive situation. And the winning coach should say, look, I'm playing all of my reserves. Not, you're not going to see a starter the rest of the way. I ain't going to ask my reserves, even though they want to play hard and they want to impress me, uh, with their skills. I'm not going to have them press. I'm not going to have them do any fast breaks. I'm going to ask them not to take any three-ball uh, shots. I'm going to ask them just to pass the ball, play a zone, play hard, and they can score. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm calling off the dogs. And, and the opposing coach uh, should be, receptive to that, uh, because quite frankly, that's that's good sportsmanship. And the opposing coach says, no, I don't care. If you want to win by 100 points, that's fine. But at least the winning coach knows that he or she is doing the right thing to make sure the reserves get a lot of playing time, and hopefully the score won't be as, as out of control in the second half. And that's really, but there are several things that, that the winning coach can do to relieve the pressure of, of a of a full full bore onslaught, Michael. Thank thank you for your call and your nice comments. Let's go on to um, let's go to Ralph. Also in Manhattan. Hey, Ralph. Good morning. You're on the fan. Ralph, are you there? Nope, I guess we've lost Ralph, but I I just want to follow up on this. You know, the fact is, again, if you're a coach and you're taking the sport seriously, you know. As I said, as part of the protocol, you know there are gonna be games where it's gonna be lopsided. And, and you have to sort of have in your mind a game plan, a strategy as to what you're gonna do if you feel you're running into a situation where your team is just gonna uh, overwhelm the opponent. It's as simple as that. You're gonna to have to basically understand that you know I have to talk to my kids because the kid, my kids know they're good. Said, so stop with the fast breaks. Stop with the uh, the you know trying to take three balls to, to run up the score. If you have, a, if you're on a fast break, slow down. Bring the ball across the mid court. Bring the ball cor- across the mid line and pass, pass, pass. You know, use up time on the clock so we don't have to just bury and humiliate our opponent. Uh, I mean, I you still want the kids to play, play hard because you want them to feel like they're, they're having a chance to show, what, show you what they can do. But again, this is a chance for you to really get a look at your reserve players uh, and to really get a chance to, to really show some class as, as, a, as a first-rate team. But humiliating an opponent is not the way to go. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. That's not the way it should happen. I mean, it just we we got to come to grips with the fact that at some point, we really have to act not only as you know, the, trying to get our, our spectators in the stands, to behave themselves and not run out in the court and to, you know, try to visually or or, or verbally or physically attack a referee, which, again, explains why we're seeing such a decline in in referees and officials at our kids' games, because who wants to go out and, and be attacked by a crazy parent? But the same way... Coaches, you got to keep a uh, keep a real sense of what's going on as well in terms of your games. I mean, I just think this—the time has come. All right, let me let me take a timeout as well. I do want to get back to your calls after the break. You, of course, uh, I'll, the number is eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I just think this is an issue that the time has come. It has to really. Get uh, curtailed, it has to stop, and yeah, I do think that we have to add a little more oomph into these punishments uh, to let these coaches and of course the sports parents know we 're not kidding around anymore this is this has going on for years and years and years, and it really has to finally stop okay eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six back here on the sports edge, and we, before we return to our discussion regarding sportsmanship protocol and how to enforce rules of civility for both coaches and sports parents. I do want to take I do want to talk for a few moments about what happened to a young hockey player from the St. Luke's School in Connecticut. This past week at a junior varsity high school ice hockey game between St. Luke's School and Brunswick School, both teams are in Fairfield County in Connecticut, there was a deadly accident on the ice. One of the players from St. Luke's, a sophomore named Teddy Balkin, happened to have been knocked to the ice where an opposing player accidentally skated into him, apparently it was unavoidable, and he cut his neck with the blade of his skate. Now Teddy Balkin was attended to immediately by the medical staff at the game. He was transported to Greenwich Hospital, but unfortunately the doctors couldn't save his life. He died at the hospital, his father was at the game, and was with him at the hospital. Now, we can only imagine the the absolute heartache of everyone involved, the Balkan family, his teammates, coaches, friends, and classmates, and of course, the youngster on the opposing Brunswick team who accidentally collided with him and cut his neck. This tragedy reminds me of when the three Cleveland Indians pitchers, Steve Olin, Tim Cruz, and Bobby Ojeda, were involved in a terrible boating accident back in the early 90s in spring training. Olin and Cruz were killed instantly and Ojeda survived. But the devastation to their families and their loved ones and to their teammates on the Indians was just absolutely gut-wrenching. Look, we all know that young people are not immune from sudden death. There are always reports in the news of youngsters dying from car accidents, illness, drug overdose, or whatever. But when death to a teenager happens during an athletic competition, well, it just it just seems to heighten the sense of loss. Playing sports is supposed to be about fun and a celebration of one's talents. It's not about have to mourn the loss of one's child. My sincere condolences to the Balkan family and to everyone who was touched by this terrible tragedy. Okay, let's, uh, let's get back to our talk about sportsmanship. And look, the fact is we really need stronger and more stringent rules to enforce these poor showings by coaches and, by the, and parents. A warning, a simple slap on the wrist is just not getting the job done. I mean, I, look, parents, coaches, most of them do behave at the games. We get that. But when we hear about these incidents from the Sports Edge police plotter, These things happen routinely. They still happen. We have got to get this under control. Okay, let's let continue our calls. Let's go to let's go to Rob out in Lake Success. Hey, good morning, Rob. You're next up on good the phone. Good morning, fan. Rick.
5: First of all, you know, thank you for mentioning that. And uh, my friend of mine, a, a young lady uh, who I know for many, many years, uh, she she went to school with the with the with the parent. Of the young man, and, and when she told me the story, I, I, I was horrified. And then I heard yeah. it on the news, and and uh, I know she's listening right now, and they're really devastated up there. It, it's it's a horrific story, um, but thank you for mentioning it. It's hard to follow. I could hear it in your voice.
0: Yes. How how
5: how how how, how, how you feel about it, and it's just one of those. Sad, sad, sad situations. Um, a couple of things going to, to your topic. My dad, I remember in the seventies, had an incident officiating a game, uh, high school game, where one of the one going back to the seventies, a parent didn't like his call, threatened to meet him outside and uh, have a fist fight with him. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad didn't say anything, uh, but I'm sitting in the stands watching this as a kid, you know, terrified and. You know, the guy never showed up. I mean, but you never know. This is in the 70s nowadays. People are a little little more nutty, and they might show up and really go for an attack. But here's my thought on what you were talking about. I did hear them bring this up, believe it or not, on the morning show. So you're getting a lot of listenership because the morning show on WFAN mentioned this 80 to nothing halftime score. One of the producers, they have a show in the morning. They mentioned it, so um, I did hear the story. And number one, look, kids... In the high school level, we have a, we have a, a waning in participation. So kids, it's, the high school sports have to continue. We want kids to participate. But I can tell you from my background, kids do not want to play in these type of games. When it's 80 to nothing or whatever it is, then there's a real enjoyment out of that, okay? One thing they can do, what Mike brought up, and those two call, Ed made a great point as well on a lot of his points. Um, You could make the second half, as long as both teams agree, to a scrimmage. Once the game is that far out of hand, let them play. Let the backups play, but the score is basically done. So at least now the backups have an opportunity. Now, if you don't want to go that route, just play the backups. These kids at are backups might never have the opportunity. This is as far as they go in athletics, as far as, you know, their, their athletic career. They mm-hmm. never get an opportunity mm-hmm. to play in college. So let them get that opportunity. They're going to practice. They're, 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 you know, they're putting in the time. I know we're talking about that the coaches are allowing that to happen. But sometimes the coaches try to advance their career by having these blowouts. And, and that's, that's where the problem, you know, Pretty much goes at
3: that particular well, point. I I, um, I hear you on that, and I, I I think again we're open for all kinds of su- uh, solutions and suggestions. As you said, maybe maybe the coaches meet at halftime and say, "Look, this is obviously getting out of control. The game is over. You officially have won." By this halftime score but in the second half we're all here let's let our reserves play uh and they'll play because you know they want they want to show what they can do and they've worked hard in practice as well that's a possibility and just the referees are going to probably go along with this but again it, it's as you said you know rob it doesn't what what is what is the motivation here why are the coaches doing this in the first place why are they allowing this to happen it doesn't make any sense you know
5: one last thing and then I'll let you get to the other calls if you don't mind Um, you know a lot of these 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 schools basketball is an interesting sport because weaker schools in, even in the NCAA level, D2 teams sometimes could beat a D1 team a weaker D1 team because basketball was only, you know, five guys on the court and if you have one or two really good players and have a good game, they can, all, you know, all, you know beat, beat a D1 team. High school, even maybe the same way, but then like on the football level, those particular schools, I remember my dad as a commissioner had this problem with the A-League and the B-League. It had to do with the size of the school and, you know, with the amount of kids in the school, part, you know, trying out and participating. Uh, it, it was uneven Matchups, and and, and that's well, where maybe in the football level, and injuries can happen when stronger, you know, bigger kids can attack, you know, smaller kids, and and that's that already, you know, can happen going down the line. But I think in basketball, um, sometimes the weaker or the smaller schools can compete. But I think this is something that has to be decided. Going forward, With yeah, the coaches and maybe at halftime if there's such a blowout. Thanks uh, always for the time, Rick. Th- th- thanks Rob,
3: topic. and 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 good good observations. And look, we all know that particularly in in, in sports like football, uh, baseball, there are mercy rules. They've been around for a long time. So in other words, there have been some some checks and balances and guidelines put into place. But you know, again. We have to get all the coaches of all the sports, including basketball, on the same page to understand that we. it doesn't – as Rob said, the kids understand that when the game is basically a blowout, it's not very much fun to have to go and play in a game and continue on. It's just not – it's not competitive. We always want games to be competitive. So, I mean, if they're not competitive, then it sort of really deflates the the kids' enthusiasm to get involved. But, again, this could be corrected – If we ask the coaches to basically understand they are educators first and they want to make sure that it is at a good, you're certainly allowed to be competitive. You're certainly allowed to go out and win, but you want to make sure that at the end of the day, you're not setting any hard feelings or putting hard feelings in the place or setting a stage for for more problems down the road. Let's continue on with our calls. Let's go to uh, Jack Smithlin over in Farrell. hey, Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Jack, are you there? You know, we're having hey. some... T- yeah, yeah, hello, Jack. You? Go ahead, Jack. Hey, how are you? Good. Can you speak hi, a little hi. louder, Jack? Um, I will. There you um, go. Okay. What,
6: you know, thinking about all of these things and, and, and these teams that are running up scores and, you know, all these coaches have different mentalities, you know. Um, some of these coaches don't care. Some of these coaches, like, like Robert said, that they're looking only to better their careers and move up, you know, move up the ladder and, and things like that. But, you know... When you think about running up scores, nobody's talked about this being a learning moment. You know, the one one caller who called in, he said he disagreed with it. You know, the kids have to go out and play hard all the time. Well, you know what? There's a big difference between playing hard and playing smart. You know, and one of the things that that I'm strong in is that, you know, these – moments are learning moments that coach that's running up the score instead of telling his kids to go out there and play hard don't let up you know just we won't press we won't you know we'll pass and everything i understand that but i also understand that he could also sit his team down and say listen this is not a good moment for the other team all right and teach them exactly what sportsmanship in their in this part of their life actually means and it means not running up the score your stats do not matter anymore you know, and it's, it's a big thing. I mean, I, I told you a story, and, you know, I don't want to really get into the story, but I had a situation where I was coaching at one time, and I, and I was at the opposite end of those run-up scores in my early careers at One in, in, in female and girls soccer. Uh, we played in a tough league, and we got pounded many, many days. But you know what? I mean, I understood it. I understood that we were outclassed. I understood that the other teams were better teams. But still, you don't run up scores, you know. It's something that you just try to stay away from because what you're doing is you're humiliating the other team. You're actually turning kids off, like Rob said. You're turning kids off the plane, and it's a situation where it could be a learning moment for both sides. Let me
3: stop you there, Jack, because I I think that's an important observation and it really needs some reflection. Coaches, if you're working with high school kids – you do have the opportunity in these kind of moments to basically educate them about sportsmanship. Now, sportsmanship is something that is, it's not something that you are born with. It's something that is taught to you and reinforced to you when you're starting out as a little kid in, in the youth leagues and whatever. But yeah, I mean, this is where the coach can turn to his or her. Uh, kids on the squad and say this is not being a good moment for the opposing team, and we have to show some respect and understand that uh, you know it, it could it, if things were different we could be on the losing end of this lopsided score. So let's be smart, let's be uh you know respectful, let's understand what what we're trying to accomplish here. We're going to win the game, but it's not about trying to run up the score. It's not about trying to pad our stats. That's not about what it's all about here. And that's what a good coach does. And I I agree with you, coaches today certainly can and should communicate the the parameters of good sportsmanship to their team so the kids understand it. And the kids will understand that. They they do get that.
6: You know, Rick, and one of the other things you said about the parents in the stands, you know what? At the beginning, in New Jersey, at the beginning of every sporting event, there's a sportsmanship code of honor read to every single stand. There's your warning. That is your warning. Yeah. All right? Not after that is read and you go into the stands to tell somebody to be quiet. They, they, they don't get a warning because if they're going to do it once, they're going to do it again.
3: That's Jack, their warning. Zero tolerance. <laughs> I, I agree with you. At the end of that little, that little public uh, service announcement at the, at the start of the game, there should be a little add ons and say, and uh, uh, please understand, this is your one and final warning you're not going to get yeah. a second chance if you're out of control or saying things you shouldn't be saying you will be escorted out of the gym i mean you don't get a second warning that's, that's it that was the warning at the start of the game mm-hmm. i agree exactly i mean the time right. has come i mean exactly right. i mean uh parents gonna say oh i didn't know the rules i don't know i couldn't do that yeah we we announced it before the game and we said you don't get a second chance this is your one and only warning Simple as that, Jack. Let me let me take some more calls before our out of time. Thanks as always. Let me uh, let me move on to uh, let's go to uh, to Paul in Buffalo, New York. Paul, good morning. You're next up on the fan.
0: I want to open with this because in February of 2008, I was at a Buffalo Sabers game against the Florida Panthers, and incredibly and horrifyingly, Richard Zednick had his throat slashed, and yes, he stayed on his feet and drifted with his hand toward his throat and blood was pouring out. Yep. And a trainer rushed and saved his life Correct. by sticking his hand in and literally closing off the blood flow.
3: Yes. And, of course,
0: in the early 90s, I want to say 92, I, listened, I was listening on the radio to my favors, and Clint Millarchuk had this happen. And, again, a trainer saved his life. Um, it, it wasn't by hope and luck. It was by the preparedness of those two professionals. And, obviously, high schools do not have the resources of uh, NHL teams, um, uh, I, I don't know if there was even a trainer there, um, but it's such a tragedy. Um, but real professionals prevent tragedy, um, and that's, you know, it's not what I called about, but it just it put me in mind in that because I was, I was at that game, and it was, shockingly, 10 minutes after it happened, they scraped the ice and finished the game.
3: Well, a little different in the NHL, but clearly uh, your your point is well taken. And, uh, you know, I I don't know all the details. uh, They've been very... Uh, sketchy and forthcoming but clearly we know in ice hockey uh, these things do occasionally happen uh, sometimes there are tragic endings sometimes there are happy endings but the fact is uh, paul you're right it, it does happen um, the same way in other sports as well where, where, where you know unfortunately there are serious and tragic actions take place routinely as well but again uh, it's just it just seems even sadder when it's a high school kid, um, you know, loses his life uh, in, in the throes of playing a high school hockey game. Um, any other point you want to make before uh, we wrap this up? Paul, you gone Okay, well, I guess he's, he just want to make that point about the NHL. Let me go quickly to, uh, to Angel in Brooklyn. Hey, Angel, good morning. You're on the fan. Okay, so Ralph, uh, let's try back to Ralph in Manhattan. Ralph, are you there?
2: Pulling the pants off of an official now, I've heard it all uh, Rick i mean you you can't you can't get any more extreme than that, and then to to boot, he's a republican lawmaker <laughs> I mean like, you're talking absurdity at the highest level here, and uh, you know how does a man go back to office after performing such a or trying to perform such an act as you know, as ridiculous as I've ever heard, I I, I don't understand that. But
3: I don't I don't understand know. it either. I don't. I mean, these things come across my desk, and I look at this like you do, Ralph, and sort of scratch one's head and say, "What What was the purpose of this? And why did he do this? And how is he gonna? Doesn't he realize he's a public official? I mean, what What was the upside of this? Um, what does he say to his son, who says to him after the game, "Dad, what were you trying to do here? I mean." <laughs>
2: <laughs> there, there's no way around this issue. That speaks to his sensibilities for the rest of his days. There, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you know, as, as, as far as far as poor sportsmanship goes it has no
3: boundaries rick you can see you're gonna have a story next week of epic proportions again i'm afraid we will that's the problem hey ralph i gotta run thank you uh for your call as always and and yes friends that's going to do it for this edition of the sports edge my thanks uh this morning of course to the zoom man ed arzuman please stick around for nfl preview that is up next i'll see you next sunday morning right here on the sports edge